guys and welcome back to another episode of the Nursing Handover podcast. You have your favourite dynamic duo. You have me, Jerry, and the lovely Diane here today. And we have a lovely, lovely guest with us. We have Clarissa, who has a background in sexual health and also does aesthetics. I hope I got it correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aesthetics, yeah. Perfect. So I'll go over to you, Diane, first. How are you? How's everything been? So I'm fine. I am good. Today has been a uni day for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just found out I passed my research module. So I'm very, very happy. If I could clink, clink right now, I would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yay. When I tell you, that module nearly killed me. Like delirium, sleeping at 4 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> the whole shebang. So I am over the moon. And yeah, I'm I can't glad. lie. I'm all right. I'm good. Cannot complain. Cannot complain. How, how are you? Me or Clarissa? Who are you directing this to? <laughs> let's, let's, let's put it to Clarissa. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you for asking. I'm good. I've just been on annual leave. So I've literally just been chilling out, just recharging my batteries. And yeah, that's it really. Nothing much. And yeah, just started a new series of handmade, handmade tales. I recommend it. Great. Well, that's something to add to the bank if you haven't seen it yet. I'm definitely going to add it to mine, 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 not mine, mine. (laughs) (laughs) It's something I've always started but never actually completed. So that's definitely going back on the list. Mm -hmm. And how have I been? I've been good. I've just been, I'm on, well, I'm on school holidays because I've only worked term time only, which is a blessing. Um, It's just been nice to chill out. I can't lie. The last six six weeks have been very testing. Mm. Health and the school nurse setting and all the malarkey that has been going on, like they're going to school, going to school, blah 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 blah. I've been looking forward to this week. So just like Clarissa, mm. I've been using this time to recharge my battery, run around, get my car sorted, doing doing all the things I couldn't really do. Mm. I'm quite happy with that. I've got a few more days off, so I'm gonna kick back, relax. Honestly, I wish I could go to like a secret spa. Not that I know any that are open, but <laughs> just go and fully chill and wine, get massaged, you know, just come back feeling like mm. I'm ready. Yeah. Trust me. Do you know what? I think I'm glad to hear that both of you have been practicing some good R and R. Because I feel like as mm. nurses, we don't know how to rest. We don't know how to do nothing. No. We're always busy. Kind of queen. Yeah. <laughs> like we're always busy. Even when we're at home, we're thinking of the shift to come or we're mm-hmm. thinking about what we did or think about our student or if it, you know, we don't know when to sit down and stop. So I'm glad both of you yeah. have, have done nothing. And that's what I like to hear. I can't that's, I think this is definitely a first. Definitely yeah. a first. Like, yeah. But now I'm enjoying it. I can see why people take annual leave to rest. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> like there's bits, there's things that are coming out of the pandemic that I'm shocked that I've allowed myself to get into, like actually resting and mm. utilizing that free time because well, we can't go anywhere else. So no. doing what we can do with our free time now is is mainly it. You know what I used to do? I used to only take annual leave if I had a holiday or if something was booked or else mm. I would never have taken annual leave. And I think it's just within the last year and a half, my colleagues are like, look, you need to take your annual leave. Mm. And it's only recently I've appreciated booking a random week off or booking a random day off. Like, yeah. I, think that goes so, I think it's so underrated and I don't think it's practiced a lot in nursing so yeah I've learned to appreciate annual leave and just been trying to book my days off now 
definitely because I think that especially with our generation we're kind of just focused on we have to make the money you've got to live that mm. life and you know you want to go on them lavish holidays and make sure you have the time off so you book that time off especially for that but yeah really and truly, we also need time like looking at the aunties or the uncles that we're working with that are booking time off to actually just rest mm. um, we also need to do that too because working is stressful whatever field you're in pre-corona like it's all stressful mm-hmm. as, as nice as it is going on holiday and stuff it's just nice to, like you said it's just nice to have a random day off that you're just like I have nothing to do nothing to do yeah. nothing I can't I lie think... what I miss the most mm-hmm. sorry for buttoning down what I miss the most is having the house to myself yeah like pre-corona before everyone started working from home like doing shift work and knowing that you're going to come home from your night shift no one is going to be home you can make that lovely fry up or whatever for yourself have your shower and slip into bed and live a good life or even if it's your day off and you know you're on long days just know that that following morning you don't need to get out of bed everyone Mm -hmm. is out of the house yeah that freedom that's actually what I miss (laughs) I hear that I hear that who knew I'd miss being alone but no honestly that time even if it's like six hours that time away from everyone it's precious it's thinking time it's yeah and it I feel like as nurses, even if even if the shift is not busy, your mind is like, what next? What next? What next? What next? What next? We're planners. We've we've kind of conditioned to be planners to be on automatic. So those six hours of no one there, just no one talking to you, it gives you time to not think for once. Definitely, I agree with that. We're always we're always on. We're on all the time. We're always on. Yeah. So no, I'm quite thankful for this week and being off and the recharge. Honestly, like you said, that uh, having that time to fully have that R and R and just kick back and relax makes such a difference. Mm. Like, wrong. I wish I was not going back to work on Monday, but you know, <laughs> I just have to wait another six weeks for the next holiday. But yeah, I will take that. <laughs> Girl, the grind must continue. The hustle doesn't stop. Of course, of course, of course. But as we said, guys, we have the lovely Clarissa on with us. So please don't feel like I'm throwing you under the bus. No. Please tell us about yourself, what you do, everything, whatever you'd love to share. So <laughs> um, my name's Clarissa. I'm 28 years old. My birthday was literally five days ago. Happy yeah. birthday. Yeah. That's my, my February girl. My February yeah. girl. Just background information I've actually met Diane through secondary school so we went to yeah. Grey Coats together and we we're in the same yep. class we did um, and we recently I will say we just recently reconnected didn't we yeah definitely but yeah nice. so well thank you so yes yeah, so I'm 28 years old and I'm currently a sexual health nurse I've recently got my band six role so I'm super gassed I'm so happy um but yeah but so I've been three years qualified um and how it started I went to City University of London for um two years and a half and then they withdrew me six months prior to graduating over one essay which is another whole story there'll be an an episode for that definitely definitely (laughs) definitely the tea on that is hot (laughs) yeah the tea on that is hot and I got my 
I got my transcript and it will guys, show everything. The receipts, the receipts are even the receipts, in. Receipts, receipts, <laughs> emails. I have emails, receipts. It's it's a peak and it's so heartbreaking. But we're here now. Um. So then I went to Middlesex University, finished my course there. All good. So supportive. Mm. I rate Middlesex University. If anyone wants to go to uni, go Middlesex for nursing. They're so supportive. And then I landed my first role on a acute surgical unit in St. Mary's Hospital. Um, so I did surgical and then I did gynecology and then I went on to sexual health. Um, and why sexual health? Well, I was fortunate to literally have three community placements as a student in sexual health. All three? Um, literally. So when I went to City, I managed to go back to sexual health twice. Oh, and wow. then, yeah, and then um, when I went to Middlesex University, my other community placement was a sexual health unit as well. So wow. I thought I, I weren't complaining. I wasn't going to say anything. I was like, yes, let me just enjoy it. <laughs> and I loved it. I love sexual health. I just think it's it's just amazing. I think and it's, I don't want to sound so cliche, but you know sex is a, sex is it's mysterious you know it's a topic that people hey, it's like you know, it's very it's, taboo it's like, very yeah. taboo, yeah. you know and it's just I think from a nosy aspect it's nice to see <laughs> what people are getting up to but yeah. you know but I think there's just so much that's not spoken about um mm. you know sexual health it's so big it's constantly changing um and Again, I don't want to sound cliche, but the stigmas towards sexual health have to change. Um, oh, big time. That I totally agree with you because, like, I have a passion yeah. for sexual health. Well, I've always kind of had a passion, but I've never really dug into it. But yeah, we're even like just talking to like your own friends. The stigma yes. around it is so high, and I'm constantly yes. trying to break it down. Like, guys, you need to be testing yourselves. You need to be asking these questions. Yeah, don't feel like people are gonna, you know, be out here shaming you. You're yeah. just looking up for yourself, and that's the main mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. This oh, is sorry, carry on. No, it's fine. Um, yeah, I just like you said, it's just you have to be looking after yourself. But I think also the stigma towards certain conditions such as, you know, genital herpes for one and HIV. Those two are the two conditions with the best prognosis if, you know, in the NHS or just in sexual health history right now and people mm. have such a bad stigma towards them. And it's it's just interesting to see why. Or, and it's just interesting to see, you know, like the stigma is still so bad. It's, it's mm. terrible. Um, it's like it's like a conversation that people don't want to have like the elephant in the room yeah Um, and I agree like we're in the 21st century it's 2021 um we're quite advanced in terms of treatment in terms of protection in terms of education you know it's about putting yourself out there because it is your body and yes none of us are immune to a disease or condition we can get anything Mm -hmm. at any time Mm -hmm. um you know and I think it's quite immature to, to not want to talk about it because we are also the trailblazers for the future. If we're not yes, having exactly. discussions, if we don't Mm-mm. talk about these things, then they're not going to talk about these things, then they're all in the dark. And then we've, we've gone back 20, 30 years from the work that has been done. We've undone it yeah. all, essentially. But see, to me, that's that's exactly it. This is why like, I make it a thing. Like, if I'm talking to my friends or like my sister's friends or whoever, and they're telling me about, you know, something that they've done, I'm just like, were you tested? And then, you know, when people start looking at you and you're thinking... I don't like I'm not trying to pry this is 
this is not for me this is for you no, yeah I'm trying to make sure you're being safe like I'm going to be out here and be an advocate and say you know sex is fun people have sex but at the end of the day just make sure you're being safe and it's consensual it. and that's really it like as long it. as as long as you're being safe and consensual no one has a problem with it Mm-mm. that's it that's it and the conversation it. just needs to be had but people seem to be it's like people are open to talk about things to do with sex it's just when it comes to sexual health this is it don't yeah. want to talk about it no and to me they're I pretty remember similar oh, sorry go ahead no, no that's that's it really oh. just saying that they're pretty similar I remember and I'll never forget this question I went for my interview in my first sexual health post and their question was why is sexual health important and 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 health why is sexual health a key importance in someone's health mm. and it's it's sex everyone has sex we are i mean besides the virgins and hopefully very young kids aren't taking part mm-hmm. um everyone is having sex and it's actually human nature of yeah. course it's, it's it's actually an essential need it is essential you mm-hmm. know and amen amen yep people that I just it 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 still it, it kind of bothers me that it, it's essential. Why is it still a taboo? It's essential. Mm-hmm. It's an essential mm-hmm. need. It's human nature. This is why we're here. Yes, I don't understand why should it be such a taboo. Yeah, but, I yeah. agree. I agree. And it's funny you say that. And I and I've never heard it said like that. It's an essential because when you think about it, another issue we have with sex is merged with um, dark stuff and porn and it is sexualized in that kind yes. of way whereas it doesn't we don't talk about it in a sense of this is how humanity exists this is how we produce yeah. this is how we build a population exactly um, yeah. and then you find that if we did the sexual health work with the kids like when they're like 11 12 maybe you would find that as they go up the attitude to go to the clinic would not be murdered with i can't be seen thank you am i going mm-hmm. to go clinic? Yeah. No, i'm not going to clinic. like it becomes such a negative thing because instantly it's like it's it's bad. Why are you going to clinic mm. for? Yeah. Um, but as you said it very correctly, but that is how we exist. Um it's an essential yeah. need. And I feel, and you know what, in a way, I think COVID has highlighted some important um parts in sexual health. Um when the clinics reopen, and I just learned it in the new clinic that I'm working at now, mm. um, there was a study, two studies shocked me. There was the highest, um, there's been an increase in terminations, uh, August 2020. And that was because patients didn't realise termination services were still operating or sexual health services were still operating and still providing contraception. And that, I think that hurts because as Mm. a woman going through termination, that it's not only the physical it's, it's not a mental it's, side. It's a mental side, yeah, spiritual emotional. side. Yeah. And working on a gynecology ward where we did um terminations up to 23 weeks and six days. Wow. Really? That yeah. So there's a few there's a few uh trusts in the UK that do terminations up to 23 weeks and six days. And where yeah, and where I was, um, it was medical terminations, not meaning okay. For medical reasons, it was like you like how they we do used it. to help them give birth. Yeah, we used to help yeah. them give birth to the child, and it's you know it's not 
it's just more of the emotional, the mental side to it. And to hear that there was a, sp- a spike in terminations in August because mm-hmm. people didn't realise contraception was still being offered and termination services were still um, going ahead. Mm-hmm. That's sad. You know what I mean? That's sad mm-hmm. to hear that people were left alone in the dark. So, again, that's part of sexual health. That's essential. Um, and then there was also another study that in Milan, um, the rate of syphilis has increased as well. Um, and that's just because people weren't going in for treatment and for services because they assumed services were closed. But I think it's also stemmed, like, I, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. Yeah. Like, this is your field, but like, looking at how the NHS has been and like, looking even like within my own borough, first of all, all the sexual health services are pretty much are pretty much all closed in my borough we have yeah one one that's still running and yeah. my borough's very big and it covers three actually no it's not even just in my area because say like my local hospital their trust covers three boroughs wow. so within the, within the three boroughs there's only one sexual health service still running yeah so yeah when trying to get an appointment with them it's, hard. it's, it's going to be hard Okay. So like, I can't, like I'm not saying that just because these services are closed, but how can I explain it? Like I oh. said, it's, it's very sad that this is what has had to happen for us to realise that these things are still open because yes, because these services are, are needed. People are still having sex regardless, mm-hmm. of course. And I, I agree. Information shared. Yeah, and you're completely right because I. Um, we're still getting phone calls from people outside of the borough even just a bit outside of London asking to come in for like a coil insertion or a coil removal and mm. that shouldn't happen mm. yes we I, I, I'm when I say we are open I'm talking about my clinic and yeah. maybe a couple of clinics that I know but yeah you're completely right to say a good majority of, of sexual health clinics are closed and to be fair I don't think it should be that way to be no, honest I agree so, um, I, I personally feel like sexual health comes under the umbrella of public health. Yes. And while we're in a pandemic, which is a public health crisis, these are the things that you need to cater to because you need to ensure that, yes, OK, we have this this thing dominating society, but it doesn't mean you neglect every other thing going on. Because it's no, like the, the world is still spinning, though you have a pandemic going on. And, yeah. and I feel like it's a very easy cop out by the government you know to put a blanket over everything just say well we've been so busy with this we haven't catered to this and I kind of feel like this would have been the time to have more coverage this, this is it time to say to people this is available this is open you know you can go here you can go there or, or even modify or make services more accessible so people could reach out and have that because to me the way I see it is mm-hmm. if we're having termination and we're having medical termination that's more people going to hospital yeah yeah it's yeah, true that means yeah. you're gonna have more beds taken up you're gonna have more people who are already anxious probably isolated and depressed going through something probably alone because they might be able yeah. to have enough people yeah. somebody with them because of covid and they're gonna have to go back into an environment that no one really knows about and not really feel that they have support and mm-hmm. they don't have an outlet because you're in a bubble or you're not you're by yourself mm-hmm. or you're not nobody really knows who even has time checking yeah. on that person does that person even know what other extra services are around to support them because if they went to a sexual health clinic they'd have the support around them they wouldn't be alone yeah. kind yeah. of thing so I kind but, of feel like yeah the government are good at copping out on things like this which is really frustrating 
but like to me I agree with mm. I agree with you both I think sexual health is just as important as mental health like the amount that pe- people are now putting on mental health we should be doing the same for sexual Amen. health because yeah. I I honestly think it's like you said sexual health is the reason why like sex is the reason why you're here and sexual health is so important just like all the other aspects of like being medically healthy Mm-hmm. physically healthy mentally yeah. healthy like being yeah. sexually healthy is a great thing if anything yeah. that also helps promote like healthy well-being and all that jazz yeah, exactly. yeah. I just think it's a, I just think it's a shame that these services have had to be reduced or stripped back due to what's going on because people are at home what do you think they're doing during this time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just a bit <laughs> it's of true it's just a lack of common sense from yeah. our government to be honest to not think and like you said people are at home what what do they actually think they're doing playing with the fingers like i mean <laughs> I, I just don't understand just sitting what, there playing cards 24 7 yeah like i just don't understand <laughs> no it's, it's so just, true it's common sense but then have it you is. seen the increase in like the amount of people attending your clinic from everywhere um, so I think it's just everywhere, to be honest. Um, so what we're doing at the clinic is we're only seeing people for essential needs, which yeah. are um, contraception, uh, termination referrals. Um, we're seeing men with uh, discharge and testicular pain and swelling. Um, mm-hmm. We're seeing women with discharge, but it depends what type of discharge they have. So um, loads of women with discharge it could be either thrush or it could be bv which are conditions mm. that aren't stis um, they're just um conditions that can occur in the vagina and can be treated of with over the counter medication mm-hmm. so we would first signpost them to over the counter to use over the counter medication first and then if it doesn't improve we will call them in uh to do like further swabs and to look under the microscope to see if we can see anything Mm-hmm. so that is what oh and lower abdominal pain definitely okay. but those yeah. are what we're seeing but yeah we're getting phone calls I think one day when we were doing telephone triaging I think we did up to like 200 phone calls once oh wow yeah. My God. 200 phone calls um and it has to be regularly monitored by um the senior cover so senior cover is like the doctor or the consultant in charge mm. um and they have to regularly monitor the telephone triage just to see if the patients that we're seeing and people on telephone triage, it's just like, it's, we're not like overworking. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think one day it was up to 200 that we called and there's people calling in from um, Essex trying to come in. Um, those people, yeah, from outside of London trying to come in, like, as you said, because services outside were closed or they mm-hmm. weren't providing a certain service. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah it, it's been an increase um in phone calls and uh, I think there's been they were, it was saying on the news actually that there was going to be an outbreak of gonorrhea um and I don't know if it's because of that but I've been seeing those of gonorrhea lately wow <laughs> and, I don't, and I don't know if it's just me just connected like just me now seeing it because it's been highlighted or if there yeah. genuinely is um but yeah gonorrhea is quite um it's quite I'm seeing it quite a bit and I'm seeing genital herpes as well um but I mean if you think about it with genital herpes statistics are up to 80% of the population has either been exposed to the herpes virus 
or the genital wart virus or even both and mm. only 10% or a quarter of that percentage will ever show symptoms in their lives. Yeah, because symptoms will only come out if you have a breakout. Otherwise, you yes. never know. Exactly, yeah. Right. And yeah, I think the pandemic and the stress probably from working from home, not being able to see family, or other external stresses that would, you know, worry people or stress someone out. I, I think that's probably why I'm seeing more of an outbreak of herpes, but... Yeah, that's it, really. Um, what was I going to ask? Have you noticed a difference in terms of do more women, women present than men? No, I think it's an equal amount, to be honest with you. It's an equal amount. Um, do you I think, do see, yes. Do you think that people are only waiting until their symptoms are really, really, really bad before coming in? no I have to say I think um in terms of consultation wise from when pre-covid and post-covid mm. I think a lot of people actually just come in as soon as something shows up down there okay. as soon as anything shows up down there or something is abnormal it's nice to see people will come to us first then the GP mm. when it's in, in regards to down there yeah. um, and rightly so because if they did go to the GP the GP will just refer them to us anyway you know, I think the first the first thing the GP would say is rule out any sexual health conditions. Mm. So it's a good thing. Literally, people will come in and, you know, some like for women, for example, you know how sometimes we get swollen gland, maybe yeah. by the entrance of the vagina. I mean, sometimes that happens. People will come in straight away. Um, but yeah, you do get a mixture of people coming in when it's a bit quite vivid. Something's not right or when nothing is actually wrong. Um and also what I've noticed, this is my personal experience. I actually feel the younger generation or our generation, the more open to learn about yeah. sexual health, whilst the older generation, they're very, I'm not going to say judgmental because judgmental sounds horrible, but they're very, mm. Which they're not as open. yeah, I would say more reluctant. And I think they're kind of, they link sexual health with promiscuity. Yes. So, yeah. You know, um, so they're not as open to learn mm -hmm. how yeah. certain things can happen. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's because what I've noticed. I agree with you because even when you look at it, just looking at social media, there's so many things that are shared, whether it's right or wrong, that yeah. young people are exposed to. So whether they wanted to know about it or not, yeah. they're going to know about it. Yeah. Um, because of how much we share of ourselves on social media, people, our generation and the younger generations are more open to talking about yes. it. There'll still be stigmas and stuff, but they're probably a lot more free than let's say our parents would be about talking about sex and sexual health. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And even when, I mean, just for example, when I told my mum, my uncle and my dad was working in sexual health, I can't lie, I've got the side eye. Like, <laughs> really? Like, like, I think it's like, so interesting. Like there's so many, right. there's so much to it. Like I think people just usually but, assume, but, but but they don't know um, so if, you, mm -mm, if someone it. doesn't know something they almost are a bit exactly. taken aback and it's, yeah. as you said there's like a rationale why what for yeah. then there's you so know? much more to sexual health than than just the sex this is but but this is it but this is what people just think people think sex it's sex literally yeah. they don't actually yeah. go beyond they don't really associate sex with sexual health yeah like definitely. sexual Sex is part of sexual health, but I think yeah. people have it the other way around: sex and then sexual health. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. 
So um, no, I I can see that completely. And it's funny you talk about um, going back to the social media and sex, which is why it's so important for us to educate young people and children. I think in the beginning, because think about yeah. it, if you're, if you're not educated in your home about certain things, who is your teacher? Social media, that's yeah. your canvas. Amen. Your social media well. or your friends. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, you know, you're not get you're not being equipped with the right knowledge and the right information. You're not being told, apart from year five reproduction video, you don't learn anything different. You're learning all the slang names for certain things. Mm. And you're learning what oral sex is. You're learning what this is, what that is on social media or hearsay or videos. You're seeing yes. a, you know, a friend on Snapchat doing something that is promiscuous or they shouldn't be doing. And that's your education of sex. This is it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, and it's, yeah, it's frustrating, I must say. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember, but I remember it was in year nine. I think it was in geography class, that big one. In that, it was like one of the biggest rooms and they had like the windows. Yeah, I remember. I remember our sexual health class. And I, I, I shit you not. Sorry, my, my language. I remember it was genuinely about periods yeah what to do when you didn't have a period could just mean you're it could, it could mean you're p- pregnant and how to get pregnant and how to put a condom on yeah it did not talk about anything else it didn't talk about and this is another thing as well it didn't talk about other um gynecological conditions that can affect your period like polycystic ovary syndrome yeah you know it, it doesn't highlight anything else in sexual health um do you think they should be implemented into the school curriculum 100 yes. million percent and, and not even just about condoms different types of contraceptive methods mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know um long-term contraceptive methods such as the coil or the implant um or even if they don't want that then they can use the patch for example which you just change weekly but for someone who's quite young for someone who maybe won't be as responsible not responsible but won't be as switched on with the contraceptive this mm. these things need to be explored because by us not telling them or giving them the options we're putting them at risk definitely yeah. you know um so yeah just all of these things need to be spoken about political ovaries other gynecological syndrome uh, conditions um contraception and just different types of stis and to get treatment and where to mm. go and who to speak to yeah, yeah. And, and also destroying the stigma that okay you can you've had sex fine yeah this is like how we're gonna go about it you know was it safe okay this is what you need to know this is what can yeah. happen it's how you yeah. can protect yourself he should also protect himself or yes. she you know you yeah. could be in the same sex situation it could be a boy and a girl it could be a boy and a yeah. boy whatever um and I believe that that's where you would need to have a visible school nurse. You need to have a visible, yeah. even if you have a linked sexual health nurse, I believe if you have yeah. secondary schools, there should be a link sexual health nurse. If that's that's cool. a good point. Yeah. And especially if it's a mixed school, you might find there's yeah. more relationships within a mixed environment. So therefore, yeah. if you had like a sexual health surgery and young people knew that every Thursday between one and two o'clock, you can drop in and go to the sexual health nurse and you can just say what you want to say. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. You know I mean? I, yeah, like I totally agree with you, Diane. And I think that like that particular, like having that just comes down to what your school health, what your school nurses remit is. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it comes down to do they have funding for this? Are they equipped enough? Because like their own services may not have access to funding 
to be able to give yeah. the children that sort of input do you get what I mean yeah whereas unless you're just someone who's passionate about it and is happy to go in and talk about sex and sexual health some people just won't be about it but then this again just comes back down to the stigma of sexual health and alongside saying yeah. that this is also for like women the stigma of having a smear test yeah like, I have friends that are so scared of having a smear test that they've never been to the clinic because yeah. they're like the, like they just associate it always like it's going to be horrible I'm going to die yeah and it's no, like I'm trying to explain to them it's not the case at all and you kind of have you not you kind of you have to have these things done to protect mm-hmm. yourself yeah and it's quick I remember my smear test um oh my, I literally was like is that it I literally the speculum you know the, the thing that goes in the vagina that it just feels like pressure I didn't feel the swab I didn't feel it at all and it wasn't that painful um yeah it needs to be spoken about more it needs to be encouraged more um and in regards to the school nurse and stuff what I've learned recently is sexual health nurses don't go to schools anymore due to funding and also sexual health clinics used to do smear tests but they don't get paid for it however the GP do it the GP do it and they get paid for it and there's nothing nothing wrong with the GP service getting paid for it but for me, it doesn't make sense because when we do a physical examination on a woman, um, if they are showing symptoms, obviously we'll put the speculum in, we'll look at the cervix, we'll take swabs under and around the cervix. We do that all day, every day. We see so many women, we have practice with the speculum. We know what we're looking for in the around the cervix or in the vagina. It doesn't make sense for us not to get paid to do it mm. when we're when we're kind of practicing the whole motion of it already yeah but I mean but I don't make the rules that's what frustrates me though because it all comes down to money people aren't having the best because the practitioners want to do it but it's money it's politics it's oh we're going to give it to them we're going to take away from them and then to me you're then diminishing the skill of the nurse because the sexual Mm -hmm. nurse is a specialist so or he's a specialist and you're then giving it over to the GP to do and I can't lie to you some people will be more comfortable in a sexual health clinic than going to a GP you know and you know what also frustrates me as well I would have women who are 29 years old coming in for example 29 I'm just picking a number out of the air they'll come in I'll do a full examination on them and then they'll say oh do you do smear tests here as well unfortunately we don't but it's the fact that I've already got her on the bed. I've already got yeah. the speculum there. You could if literally I'm just do an extra swab. Literally. It's just one more swab. Yeah. You know, if we were funded appropriately for it, mm-hmm. it could have been done. We could have... It, it, it yeah. just doesn't make sense, you know? And they, and they all say, well, I wish you did it, because you literally had me on the bed, the speculum was in, you could have just done it there and then. Yeah, and then it's not your fault. Yourself, exactly and then you just think to yourself how long are they going to postpone it now you know what I mean I mean how long is it going to take for them to do it and especially with the GPs now not seeing people Mm -hmm. I I don't know I mean I'm assuming they're seeing people for smear tests but how frequently is it quite open do they have to wait you know that that postpones people's motivation to get it done yeah definitely definitely I think they're still doing it because I got my 
I can't believe I'm going for my, my second one. But I've got my letter to come back. Oh, well. well done. Good. So it's just like, they're. it seems like they're doing it. It's just going to be more long-winded, waiting for an appointment. And then yeah. whether it's time you can actually attend, blah, blah, blah. But it just doesn't make sense to me why, like you said, if you've got the, if you have the, the female patient on the bed, yeah. speculums in, yeah, an extra swab, I'm already looking inside. There's yeah. no harm in an extra swab and sending it off. No, no, exactly. And it's it's all part, I mean, the smear test still does come under health, but if we're going to be really specific, it's a lovely, it comes lovely into sexual health. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah. an opportunity to educate a woman about down there to have an open discussion. She might reveal to you something or disclose something that she might not have disclosed to the GP, for example. Yeah. You know? And it's and you like you said, by that time you would have built let's be honest, by the time someone's in there with a speculum, you've built some sort of rapport. Yeah. To have that conversation. Yeah. So yeah. by that time you should be bearing it all anyway. Yeah, exactly. And before we even get them on the bed, we have to do a full sexual health history. And in that sexual health history, it's not only when was the last time you had sex. We look at when was your last cycle? Are you at risk of pregnancy? Um, What contraception methods are you taking? We look at your past medical history as well to see if there's any contraindications. We do ask you if there's any gynecological history. How many um, pregnancies have you had? What's happened? Um, and we even ask you, have you had your smear test yet? And when was the last time you had it? it you know, so we already kind of know what, what we would be screening for. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just it's just slightly disheartening. When I do ask someone who's 29 and they haven't had a smear test yet, and I know I'm already going to do physical examination, I genuinely do think to myself, I wish we were able to do it because yeah. I'm already going to have to get her on the bed. I could potentially genuinely be be helping her if I was able to do the smear yeah yeah she's already late for it she's already late four years because they start at 25 don't they yeah Yeah. you know it's it's, it's, like you said it's a shame they're not they're not using sexual health and the services to the to the to the to the max no they're not they're not even saying that you'd think that right now with corona all that trying to keep all these separate Mm. services you know, as close to each other as possible, that that would be wise to then say, GP, stop doing smears, send them to the sexual health clinic. Yeah. And so forth. And also cost effective, because if you're if you're going to get, how can I say, if someone has got several packs and you're going to identify early, first of all, A, you can save that person's life, number one. Yeah. yeah. Number two, you're going to save money as an as an organisation because the treatment won't be as, might not be as costly, for example. Mm-hmm. Um in a sense of the fact that your funding is going to be well used and all that education and all that prevention is all under the same umbrella. Mm. Um, why would you make it disjointed? You, and you might find some of these more willing to go to the sexual health clinic than go to the GP because they can just walk into the clinic maybe. So that's easier. With a GP appointment, they have to commit to a time and that can make them more nervous, that can make them more anxious and then they yeah. just don't go. So how, what, how do we see it but they don't see it? That's what gets me. It's like... I'm going to play devil's advocate here and ask. Go ahead. So, like, I totally agree with you guys. I think it should be done in sexual health. However, say there's something that's wrong. Yes. Like, where does follow-up come from? Because, like, if sexual health is um, confidential and you're only, I guess, you're only really known by a number, how is the hospital going to follow you up for, like, 
biopsies and extra I don't know follow-up things do you get what so, I'm coming from? yeah no 100 so I'll tell you what I would do if mm-hmm. something didn't look right so mm-hmm. if something didn't look right I would say do you mind if I just have a second opinion and someone to have a look at your cervix and I I I'm I'm open with my patients I do tell them your cervix looks a bit red or there's a bit of discharge I don't feel comfortable with do you mind if I just get someone a bit more senior it's better to have them there to let them know what's happening there and there Mm -hmm. so what would happen you'll get the senior cover and in the sexual health clinic which I love you have doctors running around and you always have that one doctor or consultant there present ready to see the patient you always have someone there there's always someone to go to um and they'll come and they'll they'll confirm okay look this is what we've seen um we need you and we would ask the permission do you want us to contact the gp or would you go to the gp yourself and um in the clinic that i work in um it's easy for the hospital to look at the patient's records if okay, fair enough. we did do a referral and on our system there, there is a gyneco- gynecology referral uh okay. letter that we submit and then we send an email so there is a follow-up process um but yeah we do tell the patient and we do ask them if they're happy for us to contact the gp or for us to make a gynecological referral gynecology referral or if they will go to the gp and do it fair no, that makes sense. That was just me playing devil's advocate. No, no, like, no, but happened. you have to know. You have to yeah. know these things. So, I yeah, that's where... I have another question. I guess I'm backtracking yeah. a bit. Do you think, like, d- despite your placements in sexual health, do you think working yeah. on the gynecological... Well, did I even say that correctly? The gyne... I can't say it. Gyne. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when working on the gyne ward prepped you for sexual health? In a, in a way it did but I think I'm going to be honest with you I think it was when I went to the uh, uh, sounds sound, sound, sound so cliche again but I was always interested in sexual health I think mm-hmm. my first experience when my first experience was when I had to get the morning after pill um I think I went a bit psycho from there I was like ovaries in google ovaries the function of ovaries the function of <laughs> the function of this the function of that what is the morning after pill made from how does it work and when I remember I first got my contraceptive pill which was mycogynin I was like how does mycogynin work why is it 30 days why is it 21 days I, I kind of just was interested from the get-go mm-hmm. um but gynecology you know what yes I think it did prep me for sexual health because it kind of made me think you know what I love gynecology but my heart is still with sexual health there's certain aspects Mm. in in gynae that it wasn't fulfilling the sexual health side um and I think in gynecology my my interest in contraceptive contraception grew more Mm. because as we were having ladies coming in for terminations um I kept thinking are you what what method are you going to be using now are you do you want to use a method is a contraceptive method something you're thinking of like I felt like there was no follow-up from us and I felt like as nurses on the gynecology ward Mm. I I think learning more about contraceptive would help follow up so 
I think that's one area that they should look into. To be fair, actually, I know for I know midwives they're getting midwives to um, insert implants now. Oh, yeah, and coils yeah. after delivery. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's 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 something. Yeah, that's something. Yeah. I think that's really good because um, you'll you'll be the you'll be the point of care at that time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's about being proactive and preventative, I guess. Exactly. And would you say that you got for yourself? Because I can't, I can't imagine working on a gynae ward that that goes up, that does terminations up to twenty three weeks and six days. Do you get like support for that? Because I know it's not something that you can go into and be like, yeah, I'm ready for this. Mm. Um, boy, how did it start? Do you get where I'm coming from? Like, so no, hundred percent. So I knew, and luckily, again when I was a student I had hold on so it was I had one gynecology placement and then one cancer ward but it was women focused so they focused on um uh, gynecological cancers yeah Yeah. so I I was kind of around it as a student so but what so I was kind of aware terminations did happen but how did it happen so I remember I went for the interview and their, their question was, how do you feel about terminations up to 23 weeks and six days? Mm. Obviously my answer was neutral. I don't, you know, I, I didn't think anything of it at the time. Yeah. And then I remember when I went on the ward and when they were talking about the termination and I swear, I swear on my mum's life. I remember I was thinking, oh, she's going to go in for a surgical procedure because it was kind of past the 12. What I remembered was up to 12 weeks, you can, um, it's a medical termination with tablets and you kind of pass the fetus. Yeah. That's what I knew. And that's what I, I knew. So then when I think the patient, when this, I think it was 15 or eight week, 18 weeks, can't remember. I thought, yeah, it's going to be surgically done. They're like, no, we're going to pass it medically. And I thought, wait, hold on. I was like, hold on, hold on. How, how does this work? Mm. And, then I, and then I remember thinking, but I'm not a midwife. Like, yeah. they had gas in there there. Um, oh. I, tr- I was trained on how to clamp the umbilical cord. Um, oh, wow. So pretty much it, you could deliver a baby. I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go ahead and say, yeah, I definitely can. But it was more or less like that. Wow. Yeah, because... It was it was scary. It wasn't. I don't. I I don't feel. I mean, this me personally. I don't feel I was prepared for it. I don't think they gave me the heads up on. By the way, this is how we handle terminations here. I had to learn that when I was on the ward. Yeah. Um. Do you think that would have changed your mind from working there? If you knew that this is what would be happening. I don't know. I actually don't know because it's it, it was it was a I learned a lot from it to be honest yeah. I learned a lot from it um and it kind of empowered the skill of a nurse in a way because yeah. I never would have imagined doing that as a nurse I yeah. literally and I remember after one I remember saying we're not midwives why are we doing this but it's it's a, it's a, it's another and I don't want to sound horrid but it's another skill you know and yeah. all these skills are important later in life somehow some way but 
it will be important one day. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I think I really liked the ward. I remember I really liked it. I really, I really admired the trust and I still admire the trust now. Um, so I don't think it would have stopped me, but I think I would have liked a heads up. I remember thinking I wish I kind of knew because I would have prepared myself mentally for it. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Because I can only imagine, like, if you're not prepared, it's kind of like... It's yeah like when I like when I used to work in A&E and you have like pediatric cardiac arrests like usually and they don't wait and the cardiac arrests don't make live. it yeah. yeah um it's very heartbreaking it's, it's like that shock factor because you just yes it's not something that you see every day and nothing can ever prepare you for that like regardless mm. of how many terminations you'd be involved with nothing can ever prepare you for what's coming it may I don't want to say get easier because that's not the right word to say but mm-hmm. it I may learn to deal with it yeah, yeah. You, learn to, you learn to handle it but you can never be truly prepared like no there's some for example for me like there's some cardiac arrest well I cry at all of them afterwards mm. after everything's done of course. I have my own little time and I cry but everyone has their own ways of dealing with things yeah yeah and I think in that setting it's something that gets spoken about but you would never know until it happens whereas for you you said that you know no one gave you the heads up so the shock factor the first few times or all the times it happened Mm. how would you deal with that I was scared (laughs) I was scared I do remember to be fair they did give us the they do ask you if you feel ready for it but okay, so they're I not just throwing you into the deep end. No, 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 no. So they do ask you if you're ready for it, but it will come a time where they will expect that from you. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can't force you. They can't force you, but they would still expect you to maybe take part in someone's care if they were going yeah. to do it. Um, I was scared. Oh my God. I remember the first time it happened, I got all clumsy. You know, when you're so nervous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All your skills go out the window. You don't even know how to hold gauze anymore. It just slips out <laughs> yeah, of your just... hand. Like, it's literally fight I, or flight. It's fight or flight. I felt like the first day of a first year student on placement. That's how I felt. I was so clumsy. Couldn't get the words out of my mouth. I was like, whoa, like this is so foreign. Um, it took, boy, I'll say a good few, a good few times. And even after those few times... I, I did ask the other nurses or like the healthcare assistants, do you mind just helping me out? Like if I do call you, do you mind just making sure you're at my beck and call? It's yeah. some nurses were very competent, very confident in it. Um, but they had years and years of experience. Yeah. Um, and I think one of them was previously a midwife. So she was oh, she was amazing with it. So every time I was on shift with her. And if I was nurse in charge and doing the termination, I would literally beg her, please, please be outside the door. Please be outside the door just in case I need you. Like, literally, I would, I would beg her for like five minutes. But you never know what can happen. Mm. So, mm. yeah. I mean, see me. So my background is neonatal intensive care. Yeah. And the youngest babies we deliver are 23 weekers. So to, no. hear, to hear that a 23 weeker can be terminated is almost shocking because we deliver them we deliver them and we nurse them yeah so it's like whoa somebody can go to that point and decide they don't want to have their child and of course that is their right but it's just also very like I'm very like what wow like I'm when you said it I was like 
almost speechless like my goodness yeah. it can get to that point because yeah we have them I've, and I've, we have nurse for a few weeks because I didn't um, know that, actually. Yeah, so um, I was obviously in a level three unit. So the yeah. youngest we do take are 23. And I know wow. that they were thinking about stepping it down to 22 weeks. Yeah, that's like in talks. So, or it should, to be honest. I think they should. So, you know, it is like, I can't imagine. I'm, when we were students, because we went to Middlesex as well. So we were at yeah. level three. Mm. We did that, and we had... Do you know when we had the girl that came in? I don't know if you remember... Was yes. she on Rose? No, Rose no, no. was on Six North, one of the two. Mm. Yeah. I don't remember. But it's when I was on day case. That's it. I, yeah. yeah. And it was the weirdest feeling. I kinda of had to explain it to you, but it was really weird because I don't think we were involved in it, but we knew it was happening. Um I went to watch it. Did you? Yeah, because you know like when you're a student, you're like, yeah, I'm going to go and watch you're all, intrigued. The, all the operations. I can't lie. I made the most. When they said students take all your opportunities and go and watch everything, I was that nerd that was like, you'll see me there. <laughs> but um, yeah. I shouldn't be busting jokes about this, but no, like I went and watched it and it just, even thinking about it, yeah, everyone it, has like, their right to do whatever they want and I would yeah. never judge anyone for whatever their choices were. But I just think when you when it's not something that you see or you don't really know much about, mm. ignorance really is bliss. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Sure. It really is, For and sure. it just makes you think like, wow, like this could yeah. really still go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, don't you also think as well? It also makes me also think, gosh, being pregnant and labouring a baby is just as hard as having an abortion. Like they're just as painful um a belt in different ways maybe but the pain yeah. is the same the emotion is somewhat the same and yeah because there's a stigma a bit attached with abortion and there's a lot of pro-life and pro-trust arguments which obviously won't go into mm-hmm. um nobody appreciates the difficulty that could come with that decision and that choice the same. but because but the same way it could be leveled up with pregnancy and labour, that's again another choice. A belt outcome is different, but yeah. I feel like the woman still goes through emotion, just all goes through so much kind of thing. Of course. Yeah. And like you said, you don't know what circumstances they're in as well, you know. Mm. You know? Yeah. So it's not just a physical aspect, it's the mental, spiritual, it's just everything. It's not it's it's un- it's underrated. And, and again, yeah. I think it's areas there's areas in health that just aren't spoken about. I think everything mm-hmm. is so medicalized right now, yeah. um, including pregnancy, that people don't actually take into account the emotions that they're going through mm-hmm. and what right. it took for them to to continue with the pregnancy, um, you know, regardless of what the, including what their external circumstances were. People don't take that into account at all. No, I think people... No. Well, as we all know, people are just very quick to judge and make their own assumptions as to why people are in such situations Yeah. without truly weighing up the options of why people want to do certain things. And, you know, they're entitled to do it. 100%. So, yeah. Especially as Definitely. health professionals, we're just going to be here to advocate for them and yes. you know, essentially be there for them to make the decisions that they want to make and forever have their back, regardless of our own personal opinions. Yeah. You know what, I think because I think being a nurse has helped me do that in a way in mm-hmm. my everyday life. Like 
I think I'm, I'm more supportive. I think that, and I, again, I'm so sorry. I don't want to sound so cliche, but I think nursing has actually made me a better person. <laughs> like, no, I totally agree terms, with you. Yeah. yeah. In terms of like, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm not as judgy as I probably used to be. And I probably do speak for those that are judged upon because I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. But you don't understand their point of view and you don't see it like this. Exactly. Because we see everything in nursing, regardless of what field you are in nursing, you see everything, you see every walk of life. Yeah. And you literally do see every side of the story. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely made me a better person, 100%. You know? no, I totally agree there because... For even if, I don't want to say for better for worse, but even like some of the situations you may end up with, just being in the departments that you're in, mm-hmm. they improve your own skills. So like when you're out in the public eye or something else goes wrong that doesn't have anything to do with nursing, you can stand on your own two feet and advocate for yourself and for others, mm, and yes. still, still stand your ground, and no one can say anything to you. Literally, so, yeah. literally one, you know how to talk the talk. Two, as something like. But we've always been taught is to do to do whatever's best to your ability. Like, why am I only going to do something half-heartedly? Then I'm not going to do it at all, mm. and things like that. But no. So overall, I think nursing has definitely improved my life. As much as there's times I'm just like, why would I do this? There's also <laughs> many times that I'm like, I'm very thankful for yeah. to be a nurse because, like you said, we go through we we're with regardless of what part of or what denomination really denomination Geraldine what <laughs> choice of nursing you want to go down you literally see it all yeah. whether it's pediatrics adults mental health learning disabilities whatever else is out there nursing wise you see it all mm-hmm. and it's maybe not right now with covid but it's a beautiful job it but is yeah. <laughs> there's so much oh, more to it than you're, people right, you're right you're right and I kind of feel like this is it's so funny we're talking about sexual health but so many so many themes are birthed from it yeah Um, and I think that's why we have our podcast because it's about people knowing what nursing is what you can become um and it kind of makes you take a good look at yourself yeah Um, but even that being said with what Diane's saying it's like also your aesthetic business like who knew knew a sexual health nurse but also dive into aesthetics like they're two completely yeah. different sections of nursing yeah. but we can all but if we all wanted to we could all take part in it do you get what yeah. i'm doing yeah. yeah it's good i've, I've more, who got me into aesthetics? my mom got me into aesthetics because she's a beautician so oh, really? she was yeah so she was like once you get your nursing pin why don't you go into aesthetics so mm-hmm. i just double dabble here and there I've been doing yeah. it for like three years now. Um, but yeah, static, you get a different kettle of fish, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's nursing is so... Nursing is genuinely a foundation of... Deg- it's, it's like it, it's a foundation. It sets your foundation. Mm. And you can do whatever you can from it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I guess talking about your aesthetics, your yeah, aesthetics nursing yeah. <laughs> career path. I'm well, your mum convinced you to do it, but is it something that you wanted to do or something that you were interested in? And yeah, what did you start I, off with? Um, I was interested in it. So what happened was so you know when I was withdrawn from uni, yeah. I was withdrawn from uni and I said to mum, 
whilst I'm waiting for my fourth go at this essay, um, let me go to a beauty school. So I went to a beauty school. Um, I've always known after nursing, I'm going to do aesthetics. And I thought, you know what, let me just go into beauty. I went into beauty. Um, really, in, it was really informative. And then I went back to uni. Um, and I think because my mum has always been a beautician and I used to chill at her salon, I used to study at her salon. It's always been an interest of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus I get I get my lips done. So I get my lips done and I kind of thought to myself, you know, I just want to learn just a bit more. Um, mm. And and I'm not going to, you know, lie. There is good money in it. I haven't made good money yet, but there is Don't good worry, money. Don't worry, you'll get there. Potential. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll get there. Slowly, baby steps. Um, but there is good money in it. We all want to make money. We all want a good standard of living. So, how did I start off? Yeah, I just went on training. Literally, as soon as I got my pin, um, I went on training with uh Derma Medical, mm-hmm. um, and I just continued from there. So I've been doing it for three years now. Um, yeah, it's just a different kettle of fish. Um. Yeah, but again, nursing and how you deal with people, you will just learn how to deal with it. You will learn how to deal with people. Mm. Your organization skills in nursing will just help you through the whole aesthetics business. So I think a a few people, well, a few of my friends who are nurses have considered it. Some have gone to it. But Mm. like the training side of things, obviously it's self-funded. Was it, Mm. would you say it was very expensive or um yeah I I I remember I put it on my credit card and it, I think I only cleared it a, f- a year ago oh wow so yeah I think. so it was two I got a bundle pack which I shouldn't have done I wish I just did the foundation pack um 2,300 and that was um, I literally put it on the credit card I literally took out a credit card and I thought yeah let me go and I just did it on the credit card and I was just paying off slowly for time um which I don't think I would recommend doing <laughs> I think start with the foundation course and get your confidence and as and as you know with nursing mm-hmm. you have to be competent in the skill that you're in there's yeah. no point doing advanced treatments if you don't if you're not even confident in the foundation treatments yeah you know so in terms of the advanced training I've done some advanced um treatments but not everything that I've paid for and yeah for the amount it is expensive I do feel if I were to go back in time I would go out of London to do my training it's cheaper the classes are smaller and you have about three models on one person I remember I mean Dharma Medical the company are amazing but it was just too busy I think for one or two models, you had about six or seven people. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, I don't feel, looking back and hearing the other courses that people have gone on, Mm. um, you need to know how many people are going to be in the class, how many models you're going to have, what is the, um, are they going to support you afterwards? Mm. Um, Yeah. And, yeah, start foundation, get your skills, become competent and confident, and then go to advanced. And go to, I would say, go to courses out of London. Fair. And what aesthetics do you offer? Um, so lip fillers. 
Um, mm. Then I do chin fillers, which um, can help with projection or it can help lengthen the face okay. um, or the smile lines. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can see on mine, but it can help um, get rid of them or um, replace cheek volume, which helps with the smile lines. But there's some studies to suggest with not everyone. Yeah. Um, hand filler. So as you get really? older, we, yeah, yeah. So literally here, and um, mm-hmm. as we get older, you lose uh, hand volume, and your veins start to show, your bones start oh, yeah. to show. Oh well, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. So you just add in some filler, you massage it around, and it makes it plump. Um. Wow. So lip fillers, nose, the smile lines, the cheeks, the chin, hand fillers. Um. I can administer anti-wrinkle injections, which is Botox, Mm -hmm. but because I'm not a nurse prescriber, I can't prescribe it myself. So you need to, actually, that's another tip. You know what? No word of a lie. Before you go into aesthetics, become a nurse prescriber. 100%. Be a nurse prescriber because once you've got your nurse in prescribing, you you can prescribe yourself Botox. You don't need to pay third parties to do the prescription for you you don't need and also in regards to filler complications if you block a vessel um an occlusion which can kill off the set which can kill off the skin Mm. you need um a thing called hyalase and that's a prescription drug when you're a nurse prescriber you you, you're sorted Yeah. yeah yeah you know so and also talking about nursing when you do do your prescribing you can work for a third-party company and people pay you to do the prescriptions. See? Look at the hustle. Look at the grind. Look at <laughs> you know that. What I mean? <laughs> These are all great tips. Because yeah. I think a lot of people, especially pre-corona anyway, I think a lot of nurses were thinking to turn in turn to aesthetics because, mm. like you said, money can be made in it. But without yeah. truly knowing the ins and outs, everyone just kind of thinks it's, oh, I'm just going to go for a course and I'll be... Mm-mm super qualified and you know you can come to me for all your needs without realizing all these other stuff that you're going to need yeah you know it's true um you need to know about your complications with fillers as well um with all skills in nursing complications can happen um lip fillers there's loads of complications with that you can we have arteries in our lips and they're very small arteries but if you block it with a bit of filler you can lose some part of your lip. I'm not even exaggerating. There's Google images. Um, wow. It can leave permanent scar. You can lose your tissue. Um, some, it can cause blindness sometimes. Um, really? So if you do the smile lines, like this area here, the yeah. uh, smile lines, you have a facial artery going to the nose. So if you occlude that with some filler, you could potentially cause um, necrosis and potentially blind someone so wow yeah they teach you this during the course but it's only when you start practicing that you start to worry like oh shit that can be me I could Mm. be that person you know and I think that's what personally for me I worry a lot anyway so I think that has pushed me back a bit in terms of advancing in that field Mm. um and yeah, I think to be honest, be a nurse prescriber first, get that done, get that under your belt, and then you can prescribe yourself the highlays for emergency purposes. You can prescribe yourself Botox, and you can get people paying for you to, pres- to do the prescriptions for them. 
True. Guys, you heard it here first. Yeah. You know what to do. Go outside of London, get a foundation, get your foundation skills up. Be a nurse prescriber before you go into it. I mm-hmm. would recommend that. Yeah. Bob is your uncle. Hustle is on. Yeah. Definitely. So there's so many things. Like, yes, we were here initially talking about sexual health, but there's so many things you can do as a nurse. Just having mm. a qualification, it's, it opens so many doors. Yes. More doors than you'd ever think. And, yeah. you know, these many different ways of being a nurse also keeps your pin active. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a great thing. So you're not yeah. even if you're going out of your actual field, you're still you're still training. And yeah, like you're saying, you know, for aesthetics, like get the foundation trainings and all that done. That's just something that you you would do in whatever field of nursing. Like you wouldn't go out and start doing IVs and you know feel all confident mm. when you're not or when you mm. can't actually draw them up. So mm. it's the same way that if you're going to go into aesthetics, make sure that you're this is 100% something you want to do because I think it's more, mm. quote me if I'm wrong, um, there's more liability that lies there. Whereas if you're, you know, working, because you're technically loan working. Yeah, you're a loan practitioner. Yeah. yeah anything that happens is going to come back to you. Whereas 100%. if things happen, for example, within the NHS, not that they could cover it up, but it can be dealt with in a different way. It is, yeah. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, even though you know my mum is a beautician and she's had her salon and I was grow and I went to the beauty school did my thing and was surrounded by beauty I did not realize all the implications of doing it by myself until I started doing it and then I was thinking to myself oh my god if I knew all of this would I have wanted to do it in the first place mm. would you if you knew all that you know now would you have gone into it in a different way I would have yeah I think okay. I would have done what I said, like being a subscriber and then do it afterwards. There's no rush to do it. At that time, I was like, oh my God, I have to do it. I have to do it now. Just rushed into it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it came with maturity as well. Um, As you get older, you mature. And I think nursing matures you as well because you do see consequences of things. Mm -hmm. Um, So it humbled me real quick thinking, you know what, boy, this can happen. I've got no cover I, I I wouldn't know how to cover myself and you just you rethink your whole business structure as you may as you say as you may say yeah. um but yeah I would say with aesthetics plan it properly don't rush into it there's there's always going to be a demand it's a beauty it's a beauty yeah. thing. it's cosmetic it's not health it's not essential for health mm-hmm. um most aspects of as of aesthetics aren't people are going to be bouncing from one person to another um there's no rush it's going to be all it's always going to be in demand so yeah mm. do it properly definitely and I guess it's like any decision when it comes to health because aesthetics to me is not just your physical but your emotional because how you feel and how you look they have a direct impact so yeah you want to make sure that the care and service you give is what you'd give yourself mm-hmm. and exactly. you want your clients to come once and come again and recommend so yeah. I agree, like, you just have to take time to what you can do. Make sure you're comfortable and you're happy within yourself. And like Clarissa said, equip yourself, you know, reach yes. out, network, talk to other nurses that are doing it, yes. find out what's happening, as well as looking for the courses. But if you know other nurses are doing it, how are they juggling it? How was the difference working in another team? And it yeah. may also be, even in your, 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 your daytime job, your, your nursing job, start to take charge more, start to do things a bit more. Yes, yeah. See, 
can I work alone? Do I always need to? Do I always need something? I've got to work on that. That's so a good point. So, like, prep. If you can prep yourself and do the work on you to assess if you're ready to make, take that leap, then it's mm-hmm. the right thing. Hundred yeah. percent, I agree. I can't lie. I think something I'm going to take away from today's episode is that. Yeah everything plays a part in our health and well-being whether Mm. it's emotional physical sexual medical inwards outwards it all comes together to make you it does and you know if you're not feeling great in one aspect there's going to be other aspects that you're going to realize are not going to be just as great so with all with that being said holistically guys look after yourselves amen (laughs) <laughs> definitely from your head your toe your emotional and your mental health your physical and your sexual health they're all equally as important don't yeah. let anybody tell you no different if you want to have sex and live your best life please do yes. so but yeah. do it safely safely and i would say know where your nearest clinic is familiarize yourself yeah. with it know yeah. how you can access it if you can't find out get it should be like a 999 in your phone like where do i go Legit. What do I do? yeah and i know it so you don't have to run scared definitely no. and I think also utilize online services because if you yes. aren't able to go to your online clinics there is sexual health London online that they can send you kits to your house yes. it's very discreet you literally do finger prick blood test the swabs yourself and send it back and they'll let you know if you've got anything and I think if you if you haven't got anything your result your results come back negative yeah and if they you do. do have something it I think it goes to your local wherever um, you're registered or Please, no, no. So you'll you'll be notified of your result, and then you have to take it upon yourself to go to a clinic to receive treatment. Um, saying that, SHL London have also introduced contraception now as well. Oh, um, really? Yeah. So it's a new thing. So obviously, where if your borough is registered with sexual uh, with sexual health London, you can now request for your uh, contraception methods. So the patch is available, the pills are available. Um, I think it's only patches and pills at the moment that are available. Um, okay. And I think prep, um, prep is um, available as well. Are you, do you are you aware of prep, by the way? Is that for um, if you've been exposed to HIV? So I very wrong. Please yeah, correct so me. That's okay. So prep is before you're exposed to HIV so it's actually to prevent you getting the virus and then you have PEP which is for after if you if you feel you've potentially been exposed to it yeah so um oh and by the way PrEP now is now available on the NHS uh when it wasn't before a year ago it wasn't uh available on the NHS so now yeah if you're um if you feel you're at high risk of potentially um being in contact with someone with HIV prep is now available in the NHS and you just got to call your clinic to see if they do it there sweet so yeah. guys you've heard you've heard it here first you've got some top tips within sexual health well within your career anyway and also if you want to go into aesthetics and where you can contact for sexual health well like local located yeah. <laughs> your clinics and yeah. also utilizing the services that are available to you where possible and yeah yeah that's pretty much it I think that's all we've got for today but Clarissa we want to say a great thank you that's like, okay this thank has been you. so insightful yeah so much thank you and no, I appreciate you guys thank you so much no it's been our pleasure and I think if there's anything we'd say to anyone listening non-healthcare or healthcare 
shoot a nurse if you know what you want go for it don't okay. don't limit yourself don't feel like you can't just do it I actually feel like sexual health is your destiny being given all that sexual health placement I think Mate, like I it was gonna happen yeah. um and we can't wait to see what you do in sexual health my dear not thank wait. you guys thank you appreciate yeah. it so as always guys feel free to hit me and Diana up on our Instagram pages um we have the nursing handover podcast or for Diane directly it's DD Lutz without the it's and for me it's <laughs> Jelly Bean with why do I wait how can I forget my own handle it's <laughs> two A's and three L's no. yeah, yeah I'm gonna have to come back to you with that, that. Um, Clarissa, please give us your details for anyone. Yeah. So my my personal Instagram is at Clarissa Ferrara, which is C L A R I S S A, and Ferrara is F for Foxtrot E R A R A. And in my personal page, you'll also see my aesthetics page if you're interested in it. I'm free for questions. You want to ask me questions? Just hit me up. Sexual health, aesthetics, anything. We're all there for each other, so I'm happy to help cool what is your aesthetics page my aesthetics page is at medibute aesthetics cool so, great long so be, yeah that's fine that will be in the in, in our post this week in, in our the, post oh thank you appreciate so then it people can contact you directly there but until Bro. then until next time guys please tune in please share like share and subscribe <laughs> <laughs> And yes, take take care. If you have any other topics that you'd like us to tune into, discuss, please feel free to hit us up as always. So for now, guys, I'm going to bid you a good farewell. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. Thank goodbye. you. Bye. Okay, bye.